So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1357, Recessions, Budgets, and Becoming the Breadwinner with Money Coach Nicole Stanley. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I still felt guilty when I spent. I still second-guessed everything. I couldn't look at my future and feel secure because at the end of the day, my entire relationship with money was centered on like this anxiety and this, you gotta, you gotta restrict yourself rich mentality. And that was not healthy for me. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. It is Monday, May 16th. Hope you had a good weekend and hope you had a chance to listen to our most recent Friday Ask Farnoosh. The episode was dedicated to all things recessions. Tried my best to speak very simply about what recessions are, why they happen, why we're talking about a potential recession right now, and of course, answering all of your questions about how to invest, how to save, how to make big purchases right now with so much uncertainty. So please go back and listen to that. And our interview today is in some ways a continuation of that episode. Our guest is Nicole Stanley. She's founder of Arise Financial Coaching, dedicated to helping professionals who have tried everything, finally ditch debt, save more, and enjoy financial confidence. In five years, Nicole went from herself battling financial anxiety to building her family's net worth to over $250,000 and they did all of this on an annual salary of $56,000. And I might mention a single income household, but in the pandemic, all of that flipped. Nicole's husband was furloughed. She then got to work and became the sole breadwinner. How was that transition? Nicole also gives some really smart emotional advice for a journey through this really weird time. We're feeling all the feels. We're afraid. We're anxious. We're not feeling too confident. She offers some advice on how to recession-proof your life. We can't control recessions, but how can we more or less create resilience within our own financial lives. Fun fact about Nicole's practice, her average client saves $20,000 in six months without giving up on the things they love. So if you're interested in working with Nicole, we have her link in the show notes. Here's Nicole Stanley. Nicole Stanley, welcome to So Money. Thank you so much for having me, Farnoosh. I love having the money coaches on so money because we can totally geek out. Nicole, you got your financial coaching practice off the ground in the pandemic in 2020. Yep. Take us back to that point. Tell us your story. 2020 was a weird year. Um, I had actually had a a personal finance blog for a couple of years before I launched my financial coaching business. And before April, 2020, I would just get in anybody's budget who would let me because I love like helping people find solutions. And I didn't even know that financial coaching was a real business model until um, early 2020. So I decided to launch my business because um, my husband was furloughed in the middle of the pandemic as most people were, or they experienced some sort of job turbulence. What did he do? Yeah. So we were single income and my husband is a church. Well, he was a church youth minister. So we were not rolling in the Benjamins, that's for sure. But um, we were making a really good life out of what we had. 
And we were really proud of that. So part of my financial journey really goes back to um, realizing that I struggled with financial anxiety in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny that we're talking about recessions because my story has like three moments. The first was 2008 and then starting my business in 2020, right? During the pandemic. And then now where we are today, where we're facing that same type of yeah. uncertainty. I realized that I had financial anxiety when I was planning my wedding with my husband. And I remember that I had my first panic attack while I was like crunching the numbers. I don't know if you remember that, Farnoosh, but like planning a wedding was the just... Oh, so stressful. So stressful. I got the, the, like the week before my wedding, I got this giant sty on my eyelid, bottom (sighs) eyelid. I was so wrecked. Most people are bridezillas, but I feel like that cooped with the fact that I was realizing like, oh my gosh, I have a real like problem with this. I mean, I remember crying on the flight over to my wedding because we had a vendor cancel on us. And it was like, why am I letting money ruin one of the biggest, you know, moments, like a big chapter in my life. And so we actually made a choice then that I was going to do two things. One, we were going to take a financial course together. And two, I was going to get a counselor because counseling rocks. And it was really through the combination of two that our life just totally shifted. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we took that financial course, I finally felt like I had confidence and autonomy in my life that I knew that like I could change my life. I could make it what I wanted to be. And I had never felt that before. Even as you were a single income household, you weren't making money and yet you still felt financially autonomous. Can you talk about that? Um, How's that possible? That is okay. And that's what I love about it because um, once I realized like, hey, our money is something we can control, even though we were making 56,000 a year, we didn't let that stop us. We saved our first, or we paid off 30 grand of debt in 10 months. And then we were able to, you know, buy a live-in flip. We started investing, built our um, investments to over six figures in our twenties. And how did you do that? I mean, because I read your blog, you didn't get money from family. It wasn't like inheritance. inheritance. So you're a master budgeter. Can you give me a, can you clue me in to that? budget when you were making 56,000 and managing to build wealth at the same time in America, by the way, in America, America. it was, (laughs) it was definitely not easy and it wasn't glamorous. So it's like, I don't love that, that chapter of my story because a lot of that saving mentality, you know, I'll be honest. I initially followed Dave Ramsey. Like I was like your little Dave Ramsey girl. Like I was like, what drew you to Dave Ramsey? He's the loudest in the space. That's for sure. And when I was, you know, we're in pretty Christian circles and it's like, Oh, just listen to Dave Ramsey. And so I did what actually ended up happening was even though I overcame a lot of financial anxiety in my situation, I actually still had this horrible relationship with money. I still felt guilty when I spent, I still second guessed everything. I couldn't look at my future and feel secure because at the end of the day, my entire relationship with money was centered on like this anxiety and this, you got to, you got to restrict yourself rich mentality. And that was not healthy for me. So it's kind of funny because the pendulum always swings, right? That's my goal really with Arise Financial Coaching is that I realize that there are a lot of people who, who feel financial anxiety. And so they go to the internet, they go and find books that tell them all the shoulds, right? You should do this. You should do that. You need to be a hundred percent debt free. You need to, right? Like you got to do this. You got to do that with taking no account with who they are. 
and what's important to them and how their financial freedom journey can look so much different than someone else's. And that's where the nuance of coaching comes in. I always use the analogy of if we were planning a trip to Paris together. So I show this map of Paris and I say like, okay, so the personal finance world is typically going to just give you an itinerary. And they're going to say, if you're going to go to Paris, here's how you're going to have the best trip of your life. Like I want you to go to the Eiffel Tower in the morning, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a seven day trip, you know, any longer, you'll be miserable, any shorter, you know, you won't get to do everything. There's just all of these rules. And often people don't feel excited about this cookie cutter. You got to do this, got to do that. And I find that most people, their excitement about their financial journey is actually more powerful than every should and shouldn't or math Mm -hmm. problem that you can put in front of someone. And so instead of like forcing people to do, hey, everybody's path looks like this, coaching is about saying, okay, how do we plan the best trip of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like how can your financial freedom journey be exactly what you want it to be with a guide, I use the example like because I I think I've been to Paris like six times because my mom was a flight attendant growing up. So I'm like, okay, I have a lot to say about it. But at the end of the day, your trip to Paris is never going to look exactly like mine. Right. I think you might have been listening to my episode with Susie Moore. We have a mutual friend in Susie Moore. And we talked about why there are no shoulds in life. It's so hard to banish that wood. You probably see this in your practice. As human beings, this is behavioral. We like to have... Uh, rules of thumb. We want to feel like we're doing the quote unquote right thing and whatever. And that usually means what everybody else is doing, like whatever has been proven to, to be successful by everybody else. But to your point, that can only get you so far. It only got you so far. You did all the Ramsian steps yeah. uh, and and still landed in a better place, but fundamentally still uh, deprived of yeah. that spark, that, you know, that, that spark of joy and then motivation that we hope everybody has as they pursue their financial life. And so going back again to 2020, we started with 2020. We went back in time a little bit for some context, which was so fascinating. But back to that pandemic pivot, when you and your husband were at the kitchen table, he'd been furloughed, you had been giving financial advice for free, more or less. And Pretty you much, decided... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And, and what was that like for your family as the wife who wasn't earning, who now was earning and the primary breadwinner? How was that for the two of you? It was a huge transition. I'm not going to lie. We had done two years where I was at home and it wasn't for me. I, I, I really struggled during that time. At the beginning of launching my business, it was sort of the thing like, will this even work? right? I didn't really believe in myself. I didn't know if I could get people really good results, but things just started to to snowball because people needed help. I started helping them, started getting more results, started getting more clients. And it became, you know, within four months that I had a full-time job. And so um, there were a lot of dynamics as a couple that we had to work through to change the narrative, like our household tasks How do we, what's our mindset about money? Cause we had always been married to, you know, this story that like, oh, we make, we make X amount of money. And it's like, okay, well, Hey, entrepreneurship has changed that. What does that mean for us? And I know it was hard when we, we did a big move last year and it was the first time we invested in getting help. Cause I have to be honest, we tried to do it for a year. We were both watching the kids. We were both, you know, trying to work from home. There was a tough moment when I realized, Hey, I need to, 
I need to hire some help here. And what does that mean about me as a mother? What does it mean about me as a business owner? But I think that when you're in your passion, right? Like when I look at my life, my biggest wound was watching watching what happened to my family in 08 and internalizing that money equals stress mentality. I had to spend a lot of time healing that. But now that I have gotten to do that work, it's like your mission comes out of your biggest wounds. And so I'm a happier mom. I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife because I work, but it's also because I'm doing something that lights me up. I feel like it's a different story sometimes when you're working and you don't want to be where I feel like I get to kind of be in that balance of enjoying both. I love that before and after story. And we wanted to talk a little bit during this episode about recessions. Uh, yay! I just <laughs> finished uh, a long, long Ask Farnoosh recently answering our listeners' audience questions about recessions. What are they? How do we know that it's going to happen? And what do I do with my money? How can I recession-proof? And I think this is just going to be an ongoing discussion, especially as there are so many uncertainties. A lot of people look at the stock market for signs of a recession. I say, while that is a startling thing to look at at times. And why? how could it not suggest a recession when stocks have fallen so much since, I guess, April? But it's not, it doesn't really forecast a recession. Stock markets don't really forecast recessions. GDP is what tells you when we're in a recession. So I always have people look at, you know, economic growth. And so far we're halfway there. You have, are someone who has dealt with anxiety. Um, how would you suggest first question uh, to somebody who is anxious right now and looking at the stock market, yes, but also looking at prices going up and volatility everywhere in employment market and the stock market. How do you advise, I'm sure this is coming up in your practice, clients to work through this mentally? I think it's a good question because there is a lot in our financial life that we can control, but there's also a ton that we can't. Things like economic factors. I can't control what's going to happen in the stock market. I can't control what happens in home prices. I mean, I was buying a home last year, so goodness How'd gracious. That go? <laughs> Nine offers. Basically, I feel like I gave my firstborn child for <laughs> to buy a house, right? But there are so many things we can't control. However, financial confidence being the goal instead of, you know, X amount in your savings, X amount in the stock market, X amount in other assets, right? There's a lot that's happening that we can do externally to prepare for a recession. But there's also a lot that we can do internally, which comes down to building your confidence in yourself with your finances. Because I think that there recessions happen, but we also can control what the recession is like in our world, like our little world recession, if that makes sense. So in 2020, even though we got furloughed, it's funny because that opportunity actually ended up being huge for us and starting a business. It also was a huge opportunity for investing. I remember when the stock market crashed, I put, you know, $10,000 more because I had that emergency fund. I had that, those like funded lifestyle expenses. And I felt like that was a good move for me at the time. And so our recession can be something that, you know, even if we lose a job, there's just a confidence that you can build and I can get another one. I can figure it out. If my house goes under, if I'm underwater, I'm creative. I can, I can rent it out. I can get a second job, right? Like there's just this attitude, I think, of confidence that can really help you approach uncertain times 
with at least a game plan. One of the things I do with my clients a lot is we do worst case scenarios. So if I have a client who's fretting, I actually have a client right now and she's been trying to buy a house for about a year. Um, but, you know, offers keep getting, she keeps getting beat out again and again. You know, now interest rates have doubled and she's in a really high market. And at the end of the day, she wants to know what should I do? My mortgage is going to be $600 more. What should I do? Some of the best coaching can come down to, okay, how can you envision yourself dealing with the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario being, yeah, maybe house prices do do crash. What happens? What are you going to do? Well, I'm resourceful. I can rent it out. I know I won't sell. You know, I know that I'll, I'll make a smart decision. And I feel like that's the difference between somebody who, regardless of their circumstances, they have that trust in themselves mm-hmm. of that they're going to figure it out. I love hearing you say this. It really reinforces a lot of what I believe. Uh, I've been writing about fear and um, there's actually in the money chapter in my book, The Fear of Money, I talk about the importance of going to the dark place, the worst case scenario experiment, not because I want to make you more anxious, but because I think it's a healthy exercise to actually go and imagine well, let's say, you know, you hit rock bottom. Let's say you lost your job. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Working through that before things get bad and maybe things won't get bad, but you've at least gone there. And I think that that um, sometimes gives you so much perspective too. Like maybe it's not as bad as you think it will be. And it also will mm-hmm. remind you of the times when you were resilient. So absolutely. I, I've, I've told people in 2020 who were worried about, being unemployed. And I said, look, I mean, you can't control when your employer decides to furlough you or lay you off. You can't control pandemics, uh, but you are not completely lost here. You have not lost your network, your skills, your years of experience, your ambitions. All of that is still gold. It's all in you. Leverage that. Nobody can take it from you. Nope. And, And that's what I love about Exactly what you said, because when we speak and we go into that dark place, no matter how scary it is, you get to to see yourself getting through it. And that's the first step. If you can't even speak the dark place out loud, it's very hard to believe you can ever get through it. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to say, you know what? And, And that's that's another thing. Like when you put money in the stock market, when it goes down, it's like, yeah, this might not be rock bottom. This might stay down for another two years. But... I'm confident in my decision. I'm okay. I I can, I can do that because, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, you know, financial plan you have, you're able to separate yourself from your financial results, especially when some of them are out of your control. Clearly right now, people are worried about the stock market and I'm hearing rumblings of people pulling out young people who have decades ahead of them. And you know, I understand it. But at the same time, you have to remember that unless this was money that you needed today, in that only in that case, should you be worried about what's happening in the stock market. But then I would say to you, why were you in the stock market in the first place? Absolutely. <laughs> stock market is not a place. It's not like a revolving door. You don't go in and come out as you want. Like you go in, you stay, you know, you allocate appropriately, you do all the right things, you set yourself up for success. And then if you have 20, 30, 40 years until you need to tap this money, whatever. I have not, can I be honest with everybody here right now? <laughs> I didn't really even know how bad the stock market was because I don't, I tune out. I'm working on a lot of other projects. I don't like, I don't have alerts on my phone. I don't go on Robinhood. I don't trade. I finally looked at my, my portfolio and I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a lot lower than it was in April. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't look at it. Just don't look you know at what? it right now. <laughs> My cash reserves haven't gone down. 
My spending hasn't gone up. To your point, my own miniature economy is fine. I don't need my investments until I'm much later in life. Yep. And yeah, if I'm approaching retirement and I'm still allocated in, in stocks the way that I am, that's on me. Yeah. I need to go in and, and adjust that. And nowadays with robo-advisors, you can do that. It's like time adjusted. Everyone listening, don't panic. Yeah. And I feel like most of your listeners, right, they're really smart and they're really financially empowered. Unless, I mean, I doubt they'd be listening to you otherwise. But I think I want to speak a little bit to those people who maybe have invested that money that they're they're needing and they're feeling sweat, you know, they're feeling like that little sweaty sensation right now. Most of my clients that I work with that end up investing before they're ready, what it comes down to is this fear. It's a lack of trust in themselves because they feel like unless they do the thing quick, they may never be able to do it. And I think that that's a really valid fear, especially for people who are investing when, you know, they don't have a cash emergency fund. Mm -hmm. They're not out of credit card debt yet right? And they know it's a little bit risky, but what they're seeing is all these people on Instagram and TikTok talking about crypto and FOMO culture. Mm -hmm. And what is really happening for a lot of young people is they're saying, well, I'm not ready now. I'm 30 years old. When will I ever be ready? So why don't I just start this now? And then they end up feeling really, really anxious in these times. And what I want to say to some of those people is give yourself permission to get yourself there. Trust yourself that you are able to get yourself there because that's the first step. You won't be able to pull, you know, to set money aside in an emergency fund to pay off your emergency or to pay off your credit card debt unless it first starts with that belief that you have the capability to do the right steps to get you ready. Because if you're feeling anxious right Mm now, you're six months away from making a change. You know, Nicole, I would also say though, you don't have to be fully ready. You don't have to have all the answers. That's part of the pressure, right? Wouldn't you say it's like, oh no. I mean, yes, if you've got high interest credit card debt, you don't have a rainy day reserve, mm, let's work yeah. on that first. But if you're like half seas, if you're like halfway there with the savings, you're halfway there with paying off the credit card debt and you know, like you're in your thirties and it's not about timing the market, but it does matter how how much time you have in the market. And so even a little bit, even starting a little bit to invest, um, I think I would encourage that just because practice makes perfect. You got to start practicing investing, even if just a little bit. And and again, not if your personal finances are still under construction, totally. severe under construction. But I think part of the fear too, is that I have to know it all. I have to be totally ready and I have to have all my finances perfect before yeah. I can take this plunge into investing. I think by then it's might be too yeah, late. No, I think you're right. Um, and that's a good caveat because I'm speaking primarily from my experience when I'm working with a client in deep credit card debt is I can see how, you know, most people, no matter their credit card debt level within one year, it's incredible what you can accomplish in one year. It's incredible Mm -hmm. how somebody's finances can turn around even in six months. Sometimes when people are on their own, maybe they're not feeling like, oh, I'm making so much progress on my credit card debt, you know, but I think that other forms of debt, anything basically that isn't a high interest credit card you should be investing some money in the stock market. Tell us a little bit about budgeting. I think right now, a lot of us, because of the recession fears, we're revisiting our budgets, we're revisiting how we're spending. How are you guiding your clients through recession-proofing their budgets? One of the ways that I work with my clients is I am kind of a lazy woman in a nice way, okay? So 
You're relaxed. Susie likes to say relaxed. <laughs> I like luxury. No, I just, I'm not the girl <laughs> that's going to talk to you about tracking every single cent you spend. Cash envelopes drive me insane. I just am a little bit more like, how can I make this simple? How can I automate it? One of the things that I think is really helpful for people is not only when they're they're thinking about, okay, this is what needs to happen this month for my finances. So many people look at their budget and they say, okay, it's May I'm going on some summer vacations. Maybe I should start planning for that. I think a huge change to your financial life can be stop looking at what's happening in the next month and think about your average year to use that as your guiding principle. So then once you look at your average year, you can start to kind of take a lot of these big whammies, as I call them, like, you know, vacations, car repairs, medical, all these different things. They can feel less immediate and that you don't have to feel reactionary with them when you set up, some people call them sinking funds. They can be little spending accounts. Think about that in a year. And then what I tell everybody is just add 10%, add 10% because you're probably being nice to yourself. Like you're like, I only go out to eat this much. And it's like, who cares if you really go out to eat $50 more a month, let's stop like sweating about it. Let's stop going back and forth about how you can save. Let's just plan for the $50 with the $50 extra. And then once you figure that out, our goal is to get that big number lower than your monthly income. And if we can do that, Mm -hmm. then you're able to put, that's what I call momentum money towards whatever that next financial goal is, right? That might be emergency fund. So if you have a three month emergency fund, maybe you want to move to a six month right now. If you're feeling some insecurity, if you're also feeling like your emergency fund is set, but you're not ahead on the expenses coming up in the next year, this would be a good time to take a look at you know, your budget and ask yourself, okay, well, this is what's happening in the next couple months, but what about what's going to happen in the next year? Because that's mm-hmm. most likely going to make you budget a tiny bit more for all your lifestyle expenses. And there's just a different feeling when you're interacting with your life and you are fully funded, not just in your goals, but also in your lifestyle. It brings us confidence. It feels a lot easier. So I always tell people like, Let's stop planning for the best and just plan for the worst with both your bills, with your lifestyle spending, with your groceries, with your gas. Stop saying you're going to, you know, bike to work. If you're not biking to work, don't budget for that. Let's just put what it really is. And if you're realistic, you're going to eventually rig the system so that it's kind of hard for you to fail because Mm -hmm. what you get to do now is jump in your budget and say, oh, I actually have more money. Yeah. My electricity Mm -hmm. bill wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, I didn't end up spending that much on this. And that I think breeds a fun experience with your budget. So even though you are recession proofing, right? Because you're planning for more, what you're finding is like, dang, I'm good at this. Like I'm always stacked. Yeah. That's what I want people to feel. Like I'm stacked. You're stacked. And also I like this approach because it's easy to retain and remember, you know, call off the top of your head. You can think like, okay, this is what my my number is for the month because I thought about the year. It's easier math. It's not as nitty gritty. I would add to that something that I like to do is, you know, I like to see how much we spent. Let's say we're in May now. So how much did we spend in April on a particular credit card? Can I bring that down by 10%? You know, I, it's a personal competition. Yeah, you versus I don't know. You. You know Who like I don't deliberately go in there and go, I'm pulling these, I'm pulling these expenses out or I'm not, but I look and see where I give myself grace too. I'm like, okay, well, if I spent more, 
in a particular month. Why was that? And I'll look at it and say, oh, it's because we went, we got school mm-hmm. clothes, we bought a piece of furniture. These are not recurring expenses. Like I, I'm not now going to freak out because this is my new monthly yeah. <laughs> credit yeah. card bill, right? There are some months that are just going to be bigger than others. And so then the next month, it's about being a little bit more conscious of that and saying, okay, well, maybe I won't make this bigger purchase this month, I'll hold for another month when I feel like my anxiety has dropped a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because I have this process that I run people through before. So once people save their first little emergency fund and they figure out those numbers for themselves, I have them do this pre-funding of all of those irregular expending expenses, you know, your clothing, your shoes, beauty, because often when we get ahead a little bit and then contribute to it monthly, when you have these little accounts that absorb the blow, it feels a lot different because there are months where you're just going to spend more on clothes when you're buying uniforms, when it's summer and you look great, right? And you're going to buy yourself a new bathing suit. And it's really great to have a financial account or like a little fund that allows you to spend irregularly and lets you say, yeah, I spent 300 this month, but guess what? Most months I don't even touch that category. And then I'll spend 500 without even thinking. That's how most of us spend. But the average budgeting method doesn't always allow for that flexibility. Well, so much more we could talk about, but I want to send our audience to you for all of your offerings. Nicole Stanley, tell us your website. My website is arisefinancialcoachingaz.com. If you are somebody who is a professional who has tried everything on your own, like if you've tried the budgeting methods, the cash apps, Mint, the tracking, other programs, and you've felt like you're still stuck at your current debt level, you're stuck at your current savings level, and overall your relationship with money is stressful, financial coaching could be a great avenue for you to completely change that story. Thank you so much for joining and for giving us some calm in a very, it's a weird time, Nicole. It is weird. We really appreciate your your leadership and we'll have you back again soon. Thank you so much for having me, Furnish. Thanks so much to Nicole for joining us. Her website again is arisefinancialcoachingaz.com. Nicole is on Instagram at arise.financial.coaching. We'll put those links in our show notes. See you back here on Wednesday. And I hope your day is so money. 